Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Boom sauce, boom sauce, boom sauce to you all. And let me just tell you, this is a podcast that you're going to want to listen to. I say it all the time. We do our best every time. I think we deliver more times than not. But I am going to tell you this podcast, Daniel Bard, is one of the most honest, most informative, actually more most inspiring Radfo Show podcast that you're going to come across. It, that is just a fact. In case you don't know, Bard, 35-year-old reliever, Colorado Rockies, pitched this year for the Rockies, had a great year. 23 games, 365 ERA as a reliever. He had six saves, all save opportunities made, no blown saves. He had 27 strikeouts, just 10 walks. Those are the numbers, but the numbers don't really tell the story. You have to listen to Barr tell his story. It had been since 2013. He walked off the mound at Fenway Park in 2013. That was the last time he was a major league pitcher and then reemerges now, 2020. He, as we point out early on in the podcast, this year has been terrible for so many. Thankfully, thankfully, thankfully for this guy, it has been one of the best years you could imagine. So, like I said before, please listen to this. Tell your friends, tell your family, because – you may remember Daniel Bard from the Red Sox years and years and years ago, how dominant he was. But the true story about Daniel Bard hadn't been told until he told him. You had read some stories. You had seen some stats. You have to listen to Bard tell his story about how he got to where he is right now and the mindset he had throughout the whole thing, the process that went behind the whole thing, and where he has landed and how he views his time in Boston. It's all right there, so let's get right to it. All right. Daniel Bard, back. Big moment. Big day. You've had a lot of big moments in the last last few months, Daniel. But I'm going to give you another one, all right? You ready? Do it. Okay. Congratulations. You are the fourth inductee into the Bradford Show Hall of Fame. You, you you have a T-shirt on the way. Nice. Yep. There you go. It's uh yep, and with the uh the front and the back and the the boom sauce and the yeah. So there you go. Just just when you thought your year couldn't get any better, um, congratulations. You you want to know who else is uh in the Hall of Fame? I would love to. You may know some of these people. In fact, I know you know some of these people. Now the the criteria is that. You can't play for the Red. You can't be currently playing for the Red Sox. So if you end up playing for the Red Sox, you're going to have to um, take a step back and then get re-inducted. In, in, okay, is that all right? Is that understood? I gotcha. Okay, I, loud and clear. All right, um, David Ross. You know him. Oh yeah. Joe Kelly. You know Joe. I know who he is very very well, but no, I never met Joe. Okay. Uh, and Travis Shaw. Okay. All right. Very, very elite company, so congratulations. Tell me, it's a very pretty diverse crowd. I know. 
Well, yeah. well that's, that's the point. Is that assuming we have to, had to have been a guest on the show. Multiple times. Multiple guests. Multiple times. You have to have, you have to, uh, a big criteria is saying yes to go on the show. Um, so, and I don't know, I mean, you've been on numerous, numerous times. Um, but also, I think it, that's one of the biggest things, but also just, just that you have to basically bring it all when you went on. That you weren't boring. You know, you, I bring it. You brought, you brought, you bring something to the table every single time, and and all the aforementioned names, they are soaking, they are basking in their glory wherever they are, in their Brad Show T-shirts. Rocking the T-shirt for sure. Okay, I can't wait. And you know what, Mookie, he's not gonna. He's he was on the verge. He's been on the podcast a few times, but I found out he gave his T-shirt to the team translator. Out. Mm -hmm. Out. No, can't do it. Okay. As long as we get that clear. No, it's his, this, this goes, this is stays in the barred household. T-shirt's better than a trophy for me. I think so, right? Huh. Right? Um, all right. It's on your shelf. <laughs> What's your favorite T-shirts? Can I cut the sleeves off it? I encourage you to cut the sleeves off. Okay. Just checking. What, uh, it's now, it's, a, it's Italian cut slim fit. So what, what size? Triple XL. Do you like them big? No, XL's good. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, XL. Real though, I want to wear it, so. All right. All right, well, welcome back. Um, you've had quite a year. Congratulations. Thanks, man. As so. it, it's weird to say that, you know, I've said that so twice now. Like, you normally were saying uh, 2020, what a sucky year. But like, for, you're 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 one, you're one of the outliers. I know. I feel guilty at times, <laughs> being like one of the few people that will look back on 2020 with a good you know good memories. There's not many of us. No, I mean seriously. When you when it turned to 2020, remember where you were. Where were you when you when it, January 1st, 2020? Probably in bed. Yeah, I know that, but like where, like where were you mentally? Where were you oh. professionally? Oh, so the year turned, I was considering trying to play, uh, make an attempt at a comeback, considering. Like a what percentage? So I, when, the, when the 2019 season ended, and I had been coaching for two years at that point, um, I kind of decided to go into the off season like, and get myself into shape. So I spent October, November – December, like get my body back in shape where I could actually like test out and see what was there. Cause I, if I just got straight on a mound and let it rip, it would have ripped, you know, something would have ripped. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I, you know, I did kind of like a bare minimum two or three times a week workout just to like not get fat or, yeah. you know, yeah. with the dad bod. The middle-aged um, man, I'm working on it workout. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, I kind of stepped those workouts up to more like the kind I was doing when I played and got into a position where I could get back on a mound. It was right around New Year's, probably maybe around a little before Christmas. I got on a mound for the first time really? in, in three years. You know, it had been almost three years, two and a half probably. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of, I was teetering on making that decision. I really didn't make it for sure till like the end of January. But, so when you get on that mound the first time, was it? Could you tell the difference? 
And I know you've answered this before, so I and you know I don't want to go step by step with you, but I mean we're we're talking about how 2020, you know. Yeah, you, I, I knew it was different from the get go. I knew the, the that's the reason I was playing with the idea to begin with is because just playing catch felt a lot different than it had for five or six years before that. So it felt so different. I was in a good way. Felt free. It felt easy. Felt fun. I was like, oh, I wonder if this will translate when I'm on a mound with a catcher. So that's where that whole thing started. So where knew, was know, it? In, was it inside, or was it like, or was it like a park that you went on the mound? Who who did you throw that to? First one was at at an indoor facility that my brother works out at uh, in Charlotte. Okay. And um, yeah, it was, it was like just me and him and a net and a radar gun. Because that's why I wanted to see how hard I was throwing. And what was the first pitch? First pitch, I don't know, but I, I know by the time I was loose, I was 92, 93 that day. And you had – that's pretty good, I mean, because you hadn't been throwing at all. Literally, I had literally been playing catch with, with the players I was coaching um, and, and, I, and leading up to the bullpen, that bullpen, I had been thrown into a net in the backyard, which you can see over my shoulder. Uh, set up a net in the backyard and I'd throw two buckets of balls into it maybe three or four times a week just to get my arm moving again like and you know I was throwing them hard at that point trying to get in shape um, but I had no idea where I was going to be at when I got on an actual mound. Did it shock you like what did you say hey what was the reading? It was I was disappointed actually. Really? Yeah 92-93 I was like because I was thrown into the net for a couple months before that and I remember coming in inside talk to my wife I'd be like it's coming out pretty good honey I think I, I, think I got some 97 98s in there she's like good for you honey that's great I don't think she thought that I was really attempting coming back where in my own head I was almost like trying to talk myself out of it once it started to feel really good I was like this is stupid you know this is crazy I have a good job I retired two years ago I haven't pitched well well in since 2011 really this is ridiculous but then i'd go throw and i'd be like man that was fun and man the ball went where it was supposed to like every time or you know close to it and uh kind of was just like every time it got a little better that first time it was 92 93 through a bunch of strikes and the next time i had a catcher and i think i touched a 95 and i was like all right and it's still that freedom, that, that good feeling of letting the ball go the right way was there every pitch. It wasn't perfect, but it was like I, I was throwing better bullpens after the two years of not seeing a mound, or almost three years, than I had for a six-year period when I was actually a paid professional trying to come back to the big leagues. I couldn't throw – I'd throw good pitches here and there. I'd throw a string of good pitches. But to string 30 of them together like that, that felt good. That never happened for those. Now, you know, so tell, you know, whatever it is, 10 months later, do you, do you look at it? Like, you know, probably this is a question you've been asked a lot, but do you look at that, like that feeling and, and because, you know, we've talked, as we said on numerous times on this podcast, other times, I think it's this, I think it's that, but 10 months later, now that we know that, you know, this has happened, uh, can you look back and say, this was the reason? Sorry, you, you broke up for a second. Okay, no, I said, say, so, so now, 10 months later, can we look back now and say, now we know this was the reason why I felt this way 
where I didn't feel that way for the last whatever. Did you ask why it improved or why it was better? Yeah, well, why you felt that way. I mean, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that I think if that's like the million dollar question, right? You know, if you could explain that to people perfectly, um, I think it's a combination of like a lot of different things. Um, I think part of it is the the stuff I learned along the way. It's the stuff I learned, you know, when I was in that mental mental skills coaching realm. I, I'd learned a ton in those two years. Stuff that I was working with players on stuff that I had kind of picked up along the way. Um, and by teaching it as a coach, you become better at it and become more proficient. Um, like anything, anything you coach, you know, you, once you can teach something, then you're truly, you know, not a master, but you, you, um, you know, you know, you know it a lot better once you can get to a point where you teach it. So I kind of got to that point with the mental side and the mental performance and, performance psychology and tried to dive into that world as much as I could and I think some of it just kind of rubbed off so I think that was one element I think another part was just the act of retiring and literally having no intention of ever throwing again gave me a freedom you know like okay the, my career ended it ended once and I moved on and I was happy found another you know calling another purpose enjoyed the work I was doing you know, had a couple more kids along the way. Like, I think that all affects you in different ways. And I think the way I looked back at my career was different. I didn't view myself as a huge failure anymore, which I kind of did when I was struggling to get back. I was like, man, don't screw this up. I've already blown a great opportunity. And I kind of came to a point of acceptance where it was more, um, no, you know what? I, I, I was really good for, for three or four years and I got to do something that a lot of good players never get to do, which is pitching the big leagues. And I'm proud of that. And no, it didn't end the way I would have drawn it up, but you know, I, I came down with something that nobody really overcomes you know, a severe case of the yips. No one's come back from it really. I mean, at least not publicly. Um, so I became really accepting of what, what had gone on and just okay with it. Cause I told my story to hundreds of players while I was working uh, with the D backs and um, the reactions were like, Oh man, that's really cool. And that's cool that you went through that. And now you're trying to use what you went through to help other people. And I was like, I just took the best job I could get, honestly. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to help people, but I was also like, man, this is a good opportunity. I need to jump into this. And so, but I started to view, the, view my whole path differently and in a more positive light. And I think that allowed me to be like, oh, let's go throw. And, it's, and it became fun again. I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. Have you talked to, I know that you were teaching it and you learned a lot about it. Um, you know, we both know a lot from the Red Sox days, you know, some mental performance coaches who worked in the organization, Bob Tewksbury, Don Cockstein, you know, these guys. And there's a lot of other really, really good ones that's become such a big part of the game. Have you talked to uh, these guys, or not these guys, any, any mental performance coaches, and did one stand out? I guess there's two parts of this. Did one stand out in terms of helping you? And the other part about this, did, have people reached out to you? Have these guys reached out to you like I'm asking you now? Yeah, it's a pretty tight-knit group. Uh, it's not that big a world like the – the mental skills or, you know, some of them are licensed uh, psychologists, things like sports psychologists. I wasn't, um, but it's a 
pretty tight. You know, it's a small world. You know, each team, pro team, has maybe at, at most three or four guys. A lot of them are one or two. So that's maybe 100, 100 guys that are doing that thing. And it's such a specific job, you know, working with pro baseball players on the mental side. There's just not many. So I got to know – I didn't think it's know them all, but I got to know a handful of them through my work and then also through my journey of previously when I was signing with all these teams – Hey, we signed the guy with the yips, and they first day I'd always get introduced to the mental field. <laughs> so I got kind of used to that, and I, you know, had some good relationships. Some maybe not as good. Not, not the relationship was bad, but it just wasn't as productive. Um, Tukes was fantastic. I, I spoke to Tukes two days ago on the phone. Um, we've we've stayed in close touch. He was awesome in my time there. You know, we didn't figure it out in my time with the Red Sox, but it, it wasn't for lack of effort or, or knowledge on his part he gave me a lot of good things I think maybe I just wasn't ready for him mm -hmm. at that time maybe I, I think I had a lot going on in my head and um I just needed some time and some some nearly time away from the game to process it so I don't you can't really give a guy two years to to go away from the game and have a job sitting there waiting for him so so uh, speaking of jobs I mean it must have been I don't know whose office you walk into in Arizona. I don't know if you walk into Mike Hazen's office or who you – I mean, to actually take that leap of faith. I mean, there's different leaps of faith that you have to take. There's getting on the – or there's throwing in your backyard. There's getting on the mound. And then there's making the call or walking in the office. I don't know what you did for the Diamondbacks guys. What was that like? It was hard, man. It was really hard because, you know, those guys had given me an awesome opportunity in that job, and I had – really loved it for two years and uh you know i feel like i did help some some players but i also in turn got a lot out of it myself that i didn't know i didn't know that was going to happen so that was a hard that was a hard decision and walking away from a steady paycheck and you know insurance and all those things to like possibly pers i know i was very realistic but like i knew my history and i'm like this is crazy there's a good chance no team will sign me i might have to go play indie ball and try to get signed out there, but I know it's good. So I know if I go to Indie Ball and have a good month where I'm throwing strikes and the stuff's there, I'll get signed then. But I was realistic, like I might be giving up a lot of life security here and I got three kids and thinking about that. Um, it felt a little crazy at times, but um, I think it just points to how strongly I, I believed in it, you know? I knew it was good. I knew the way that I was throwing the ball was really good. Who did you tell? Who do you have to tell, Hazen? Yeah, I met with Hazen and Jared Porter. Yeah. Um, that yeah. First, basically like one of the first day, first day of spring training. Oh, really? First How day late, of, huh? Yeah, so it was like I just I made the decision, you know, maybe right at the end of January, 10 days before we, we, we reported to Arizona. So I, I didn't know the right way to do it. I was like, this is going to be, you know, I feel bad doing it. This timing, this timing is terrible. So I just like, I'd rather do it in person. So, you know, when I flew out there, I just met with them right away and said, you know, I, sorry guys, sorry for leaving a gap <laughs> in, in the player development department, but uh, I'm going to, I got a pitch this year. I've decided to do it. And, you know, we went from there. You have a try, you had a tryout. I mean, uh, I mean, for yeah, I up a tryout a few days after that. And I actually did it in Arizona because just there's already a lot of teams out there and there was like a college tournament going on. So there was a bunch of scouts in town to see that. Um, 
so yeah, we just, I did it at a high school on a Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, um, stood on a mound, bunch of radar guns. Point. I was surprised how many people showed up. Honestly, we had like 25 teams came out and, um, I thought maybe five would show up and I was hoping to get one offer and it ended up 25 came out. I think they're just curious, like this guy's insane, <laughs> but let's go see what it looks like. Cause like, I don't know, I guess it's intriguing to people, you know? Crazy stuff is intriguing. So I think that's more what it was. It was like, let's go see how bad this is. And uh stood on the mound. I kind of laughed to myself because I was like, I'm on a high school. I'm 30, 34 years old at the time. I'm on a high school field. And I got a bunch of radar guns pointed at me. This is like exactly where I was when I was 16 years old trying to get drafted. Same stuff, doing the same thing. So not much had changed. And um, it went really well. And I got a few offers and Rockies were the were the one I picked. So, so then you have that first leap of faith, or the next leap of faith, of actually like pitching, like pitching in a Rockies uniform, um, and where it counted, trying to make a team, and all of that. Did it just snap right once you knew that you were throwing well? Did There's it just, a funny story yeah. about that. The uh, <laughs> the guy who signed me with the Rockies, who's a, like an assistant GM, who was there. Uh, head of pro scouting, John Weil, a uh, really, really good guy. I've got to know him this summer. He told me this story like at the end of the season. So this is kind of after everything's played out and I made the team and, you know, had a decent year. He said, uh, yes, yeah, so that day, he goes, I saw you throw, you threw great. And I was like, yeah, I felt, felt like I threw good. We knew, and he said, I saw it and I was just like, this guy, if, if he throws like this every time, he can help us in the big leagues quickly. That's what he told me. And he goes, so I call, call the GM and said, you know, I'd really like to sign this guy. What can we offer him? And uh, so they, they kind of rushed through it because there was several teams that were interested. And they made a great offer. I choose them. I have a flight book to uh, Arizona to meet, that, meet the team. I'm about a, it's maybe 10 days into spring training at this point. And he said, they asked me, they're like, he's faced hitters, right? <laughs> and I, hadn't. I, had, I had had one guy stand in on a bullpen, stand in like not swinging. And he stood like way back in the box. Like give me a good two and a half feet to miss inside. And so John texts me, he's like, do you face any hitters yet? And I was like, oh, I had some, I've had him standing in in bullpens for a while. Kind of like budged yeah. a little bit. And he's like, okay, great. Or how'd it go? I was like, good. Meaning didn't hit him. And, uh, <laughs> so I think he reported back to his GM like, yeah, he's faced hitters. <laughs> and so they went through with it. And uh, little did they know, I think the first live BP I threw when I got there was the first time I'd faced hitters since it was really bad, you know? Like I had from bullpens, but that was kind of the thing is you add in a hitter, you add in an umpire, you add in fans uh, fans never really bother me but yeah I didn't you know putting on it a big league uniform all that stuff that adds that can potentially add anxiety add meaning to what you're doing so I was just kind of went into it like look I passed every test I've given myself so far I don't see why this stuff will be any different so and so like it was like like you saw that the radar gun reading when you were first started working out once you threw to a hitter and I don't know if you remember who the hitter was, but once you threw, the, threw to that hitter, it was like, okay, you know, and maybe that was that first swing that somebody took off. All right, 
this isn't going to be this is going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, I had a I had kind of a system that I use now. It's part of what I was was coaching guys and helping them develop like a mental routine, if you will, process. And I developed one for myself too. Like I didn't just be like, oh, I hope this is good. It feels better, and just no, I have like I have a process now that I didn't have before. And I was like, it's, it's helped me pass every test I've given it up to this point. So put a hitter in the box. Let's go. Like I was excited for it, honestly. And I, that wasn't something I would have, would have felt before. How about when you, how about actually in the major league game? I mean, like, as, as you know, it's like this, okay, you're that first time this year facing major league hitter was the first time you faced a major league hitter since that night in Fenway park. Yeah. So you're talking about spring training. No, this, well, either. Well, spring training is the funny thing that a lot of people forget. So my first, when I did sign with the Rockies, recorded through a couple of live BPs, they went pretty, they went well. So I think it was going well enough where they're like, all right, I guess we, we just put them in games now. Even though it was kind of a fast progression, you know, it was maybe a week since I showed up and then I'm they're like, all right, let's put them in games. I guess, I guess things are normal. And uh, ran me out there against the Rangers Gave up uh, five runs in a third of an inning. And uh, the funny thing was, and I walked two, three hits or something like that. One was a homer. But I actually threw the ball fairly well. Like, I was, I was throwing all around the zone. Pitches were doing what I wanted them to. The walks were, you know, misses, you know, close misses and things like that. I was like, so I got out of it, and I was like, man, pitching's hard. Like, I threw the ball well, and my results were horrible. So, like, and I know anybody, I don't think the game was on TV or anything, you know, spring training game. But um, you can see the box score you know, online, and the box score was horrible. And I yeah. was like, everybody who reads that box score is going to be like, see, same stuff he went through. He's the same guy. Nothing's changed. I can't believe they signed him. And I had that thought, and I didn't care. Like, that was the difference. I wasn't, like, worried about it. Like, oh, people, like all the people who couldn't see that I actually was throwing the ball in and around the zone are just going to think I'm still messed up. Hmm. That's what I would have thought. And this time I was just like, man, that was, that went horrible. But I actually felt good on the mound. I felt like the ball was still free coming out of my hand. I'm good. Like, just give me some more outings. And sure enough, like three days later, I had a one, two, three inning against the Dodgers and like struck out two. Yeah. That's that's more like what I'm what I was used to. <laughs> but and, uh, but, but anyway, all, even my pitching coach forgot that that was how my first outing went. Oh really? But we then you know, it this, this September, I was like, "You remember my first outing, right?" He was like, "No, you haven't. You didn't have a bad one all spring or anything." I was like, "No, I had a bad one." <laughs> <laughs> he forgot but, about it. But but then you have the the pandemic pandemic hiatus. I think I talked to you briefly during that time. But you were really optimistic, but still, it's like, okay, you know, you have all that momentum, now you have that time off, and now you have to have this bizarre sort of two-and-a-half-week thing to show everybody what's what. I mean, did you feel like when you got back that it was just like, okay, I've, I've, I have checked off all the boxes before, oh. the, before the hiatus, so I'm going to be okay? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know for sure I was going to get invited, you know, to the sixty-man pool because I was just kind of a wild card. Someone they added to big league camp that probably 
based on recent stuff, didn't deserve to be there. So I thought maybe they would just leave me at home, release me at the end of the year or whatever, and I'd be back to square one. But they, they invited me. And I, I that's, that was the other thing, the, the pandemic or the whatever, the shutdown, we got sent home. You know, I, I was able to use that time. I threw like 10 or 12 live BPs to, to pro hitters that live in this area. And so I got, it was awesome. Like I was actually at the Greenville Drive Stadium. So oh, that's right. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. let us in over there and um, socially distanced, of course. Uh, <laughs> but we were able to throw two, two a week and I, I got really comfortable with a hitter in the box. I got really comfortable. I was using the, all the tools, the Rapsodo and stuff to like uh, kind of fine tune all my pitches. And whereas I went into the first spring training, kind of it was like a whirlwind feels good. Let's see how it goes. I had three months to like, be like, okay, I, I got in big league games. I felt fine. Now let's like get to work and like fine tune this stuff so that when I have a real shot, whether it's this year, it might not be till next year. Like I'm ready, really ready to make a team, not just like, Hey, go to AAA for a while, see how it works. Like I went into that summer camp knowing like I have a chance to be the best guy in this bullpen. I genuinely felt that. And I, I, Going in the first time, I just didn't know. So, so then that you make the team, and this goes to like what the question before. That first time, that first hitter was the first major league hitter, in, you know, again since two, 2013 Fenway Park that night. Did it did it dawn on you, or was it like you were like much like that live BP where you're just sort of going through the process? Did you get a chance to be like, yes? I've <laughs> like, like, like uh, Dennis Quaid in, in the rookie, you know, running out like I, I made it. Did I mean, I definitely had some feelings of like, I can't believe I'm doing this again. But I, like I said, the transition was so, I got to like check off so many boxes in the months leading up to it, you know, face a hitter in spring training. Uh, then I show up and I get to throw seven or eight outings at Coors Field as part of our summer camp. Now they're in inner squads, but still you're in a big league uniform facing Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, you know, all star, all of all the all-star hitters we have having, you know, a lot of good results. So I'm like, I can do this. Like I, I, I at that point I had fully believed like, just, just give me a chance. I can do this again. And um, so by the time the opening day hit, I had pitched, that one of the exhibition games against the Rangers too, that I think went well. And so I, I kind of like had all these little baby steps to lead me to that point, which, you know, I don't know why it worked out that way, but it did. Was there uh, was there a cool message besides me, like saying it was the best story of the entire year? Um, was there a cool message from anybody? Man, I, I don't think, I didn't know I knew that many people. The text messages I got, Really? I, mean, I, had, I think it was like I stopped counting it around like 250 people who texted me. That's cool. Oh, it was a, it was amazing. Like, you know, I obviously expect the people that are close to you to reach out and maybe some old coaches or teammates to say, "Hey, glad it glad it worked out." But I was hearing from people I hadn't talked to in 15 years, people that I thought barely knew me or barely would remember me, and I'm hearing from them just couldn't be, they're saying couldn't be happier for you you know such a cool journey and all this stuff and I was like all right maybe I guess more people were paying attention than I ever ever <laughs> thought would 
but uh, I was blown away. Pretty, pretty grateful that that many people actually care. What was the best, the best, if you could pick one moment, like 10 years from now, you look back and say, this is one moment on the field and one moment off the field in this, in this couple months here that you're always going to remember. On and off. Yeah. <clears throat> on the field, you know, the, the debut this year was, was awesome. Um, you know, getting a couple some save opportunities at the end, uh, a couple against my former employer, the Diamondbacks. That was pretty cool. Uh, they probably didn't think it was that cool. I think I ended up with like three saves against them. Uh, a couple in Dodger Stadium. You know, with that lineup, like that, that's a huge accomplishment that I was proud of. You know, uh, which, by the way, for a place with no fans, that place still had a ton of energy. It was amazing. Why? Uh, so everybody had the fake crowd noise of yeah. every stadium, but it was different in every stadium. Like the volume, the amount that they varied it when good things or bad things happened. Dodger Stadium, first of all, I think they must have like the most powerful, you know, speaker system in the league. I literally, I remember standing on the mound warming up and my chest was shaking, like vibrating from the base. So I, don't, I think they do that with fans too, but it, it was uh, it was a cool environment, even with no fans. By the way, Fenway Park was a sad trombone. That was the crowd noise the entire year. The bone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of the stadiums, they, didn't, they couldn't quite get that right, and the energy was a little pretty low. Yeah. Um, but some, a few places, the, of all places, Oakland A's, I thought they, they have the worst sound system ever, but they did a really good job really? with it. That's bizarre. They had, like the, they had like chanting in, in the background. Really? That's yeah, pretty cool. What, so what, how about the off the field? What, like the moment you're going to be like? Um, Maybe it was a conversation you had with somebody or, or is yeah, it? No, I mean, I think it's got to be just having my family out there in Denver with me, uh, my wife and three kids. My kids have, my oldest is, you know, about to turn five. He's, he, none of them have any idea what's going on. They love the Rockies, but they don't, they don't know what's going on as far as my career or anything, why I play baseball again. They just think it's cool. But I think being able to share that experience with them, even though they couldn't come to the games, which was unfortunate, but uh, they were at the house. They'd watch the games on TV, and I'd get to come home, you know, and, and enjoy that with them, especially my wife, because, you know, she, she was there through the, the really, really hard times, too that we had in this game and all the, you know, we didn't think that baseball was going to bring us joy again, you know, at least not on the playing side. Um, you know, we were, I was finding it in other ways on the coaching side, but um, didn't think we'd ever be able to celebrate something I did on the field again. So to have her <clears throat> along for the whole ride has been amazing. And now, and now you have the, the potential. I mean, you're young enough and, and you're good enough potential of uh, having this this thing with your kids like you said your oldest is five you said five yeah yeah where in a you know six seven that's when you start like understanding baseball and now like you have that potential of like oh my man i remember my dad played baseball those that was awesome yeah which you thought was like not even in the equation before absolutely i mean that was part of the reason i 
once I started to feel good and we had these conversations about whether or not I should attempt it or not, we were like, let's just do it. Like if it works out, even if I get to play like a couple months of minor league baseball, like Davis might remember that. And that would be cool to have that and have those pictures and all that with all the kids. Um, you know, we were like any, any base, having them on the field for any game would be cool. And we didn't get to do that this year, but um, you know, hopefully next year it'll be a little more, a little more freedom. All right. Speaking of next year, because I asked John Lester this question in May, right around when I talked to you, I think. Um, and he said, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but um, it'd be cool to, to go back to where I started. Would it be cool to go back to where you started? Uh, yeah. Back to Boston. Yeah. You're a free agent, right? No, not. Oh, you're not. No, I got, uh, I'm back in the arbitration system. Oh, okay. My, my service time is somewhere right just short of five years, I think now. So how many years of arbitration do you have? Uh, it looks like two. If the rules all stay the same, you know, CBA coming up could, could change some of that. But uh, definitely next year for sure I'm, I'll be a Rocky unless they trade me. Okay. All right. But it'd be, it would be kind of a cool story. Yeah, I, 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 definitely want, I definitely hope to pitch in that stadium again, you know, at least one more time. I think that would be really cool to – even if it's for an opposing team. It would be great if it was for the Red Sox. But um, even coming in on the road, I think just to be like – not as if this story isn't full circle enough, it would really be cool to – I think I would just uh, – probably be fighting back tears <laughs> warming up and stuff but it would be it would be pretty cool I think I'd, I'd really appreciate it I think a lot of people would appreciate it you know it's and and by the way I was I I should have mentioned that you didn't do it anyway but one of the options to have your best moment off the field was not eligible uh was not be eligible to be inducted to the Brad Foe Show Hall of Fame so um <laughs> So, good thing. Close runner-up. Close runner-up. runner-up to hugging my kids. <laughs> um, all right. Well, listen, I mean, it's always great to talk to you. And, uh, and I mean, I think we, you know, every time something happened and, you know, I would tweet about it, you know, say, oh, my goodness, what a great story. And I, I wasn't alone. The outpouring of people from Boston is, is crazy. You know, it's, it's still, it's still crazy. Like how much people truly appreciate what you did here and, uh, and are, are happy for you going forward. So. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, I mean, I'm not too active on any of the social medias, but I did catch wind of some stuff. My wife would show me and I was first, I guess I was kind of surprised at how positive it was. Cause I think I left that place feeling a little beat up, you know, by, fans, media, and it, it was probably just, that's what I was here. I was feeling any little bit of negative energy. And I think there was a lot of positivity that I was missing. And um, it's good to know that there was people cheering for me that I didn't even know were out there. Um, so I definitely appreciated that. Yeah, but you know how it is here. I mean, it's like, oh, in, in the moment, it's, you know, in, <laughs> in the moment, it's a whole lot different when you get a chance to take a step back. So, um, no, I mean, yeah. that's like I think the guys who have had a ton of success in Boston, I always noticed they were the guys who like didn't read anything, didn't have social media, you know, 
would avoid talking to, to any, any media whenever possible. You know, Papelbon, <laughs> like Pedroia, I'm pretty sure never had, you know, any social media. It wasn't really oh, a thing no. back 10 years ago, but even at the end. So those guys, I think they just were able to kind of put on the blinders and, and play the game. And if you come in trying to, I don't know. I'm no, I, I, I know I, I'm with you. I mean, and this is a whole other, whole other conversation because. I mean, just because it's a place where you can have success, build a brand, build this uh, fan base, and then you have like one bad year, it's, it's rough, you know. And uh, the more you expose yourself to that, the more you're going to ride those ups and downs. Well, I'll give you a perfect example of your fellow Hall of Famer, um, Joe Kelly. I've never seen anything like this where um, in 2018, he blew the game, the, the opener at Tampa Bay, blew the game. Was the worst was on the 25-man roster, he was the most unpopular guy. Two weeks later, Tyler Austin's running at him. He's like, come on, let's go, let's fight the Joe Kelly fight club. He literally yeah. became the least popular player on that team in two weeks to the most popular player of the team. And by the way, later on in the year becomes the least popular when he sucks a little bit and then becomes the most popular when he dominates in the postseason. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that summarizes pretty well. And if you let, and if you're a person who, which I think I was when I was younger, I put a little too much value into what other people say about me, think about me that affects you. That literally directly affects your emotions, your happiness, and then it affects how you perform on the field. And, uh, you know, I wish I had a little more of that, you know, not give a shit in me that those guys had uh, when I was younger, but, you know, I had to, had to find it and grow it through other ways. But, uh, you definitely have to have that to play there, especially if you're going to play there a long time. Yeah, well, we will look forward to you playing there once again, one way or the other. So, all right, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man.